Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. All right, and joining us today on the Nightcap, uh, a familiar friend, a familiar face, even though he is in St. Louis uh, at this current point in time, VGK analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. You can find him on Twitter, at McKenna56. Mike McKenna, thank you for uh, joining me today, as always. And uh, how are you doing, my friend? Doing pretty well. Just kind of in this still, you know, waiting game, right? Like, we think we're this much closer to getting things going. Phase two seems likely. Um but we don't know when exactly that's going to start. So um, do my best to stay, stay occupied, do interviews, do some analysis work, crank it out for the VGK and um, just try to stay as connected as I can. Absolutely. And that phase two uh, uh, word that you just threw out there, that was part of that kind of grander release that just happened just over a week ago, Mike. It's crazy uh, how, how long this week has been uh, for, for all of us here as a country, but that, that, the NHL was the first pro league to kind of take a step and provide a framework. And so let's just start from there. What are your initial thoughts on the return to play, as you said, with the phase two, but in terms of how they're planning to, to stage the playoffs, the teams that are included and, and the way that they've been able to adjust on the fly here. I like it. I, I thought that 24 teams was the most likely way for things to get done in the first place. Uh, just looking at how the standings were at the time, you know, 12 in each conference still had a chance at making playoffs. That's what it looked like to me. Uh, that teams on the outside looking in would have taken a uh, Hail Mary miracle uh, and run the table to even have a chance. So uh, from, the, from the number of teams that are included in it, I think it's great. Um, and the process to get there in terms of the round robin and the play-ins, it's, it's convoluted for sure. Um, but I think it gives the best opportunity, though, for – you know, those teams that were on the outside looking in to, one, have a chance, uh, and then, two, make sure that everybody's up to speed, even giving the scenario of having uh, buys involved in it. 
Right. And I think they actually got really creative with making sure that those top four teams in, in, the, in each conference, the Vegas Golden Knights, are in that top four in the Western side. Because that was one of the big questions that I had. I was like, I get if you want some teams to kind of play in, maybe even finish the regular season, but you can't have the, the teams that have worked and, and, and succeeded over the course of the regular season and be somewhat detrimental at this point. So by having them play kind of, you know, some warm-up games, the round robin within that top four, and then having those qualifying rounds, those rounds being the best of five, uh, I think it's a good way to at least try to get everybody up to matching speed as close as you can uh, at the same time, which is a difficult task to to just even uh, attempt to do. Yeah, you try to find a way that's that's fair. Fair is such a hard word in this situation. You're never going to find it. Um, the, the best scenario you can have is to have the teams that have a chance be able to play for it. And, and look at it this way, too. Like it, it feels like, you know, this is a playoff scenario. That's what it's called. The, the regular season's effectively done. Well, the regular season wasn't finished. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there were still games left. And not everybody so, played the same amount of games either. Right, right. So when you factor that in, the fact that you've got the round robin uh, kind of evens that out to a certain extent. You know, it still rewards the teams that finished really high up in the regular season that fought for that. Um, and at the same time, too, giving those play-in games amongst the teams that have the buy allows them to get up to speed. Um, I mean, I've seen the argument that those games won't be very like meaningful or won't be very intense. I think that's completely wrong. I agree with you <laughs> on that I mean, one, too. The moment you drop the puck and you're this close to playoffs and playing for the Stanley Cup, you, you can't flip the switch. No. You know, players are going to be right back at it. So um, I, I think the league and the, and the Players Association should definitely be commended for, one, putting their heads together and, and coming up with a framework that, while not perfect, seems to at least uh, appease most everybody, uh, which we saw especially in the vote for it. Absolutely. And, and, and like you said, I have a hard time believing uh, someone going up to say, Mark Stone, do you think you're going to give your full effort on these first few games of the contest here? Do you think you're going to put it all on the line? It's a pretty obvious answer there. So I, I think sure. it's going to be it's going to be a great uh, just kind of experiment. And, and that's the way I'm trying to kind of look at it from a, from a positive standpoint, because like you said, this is kind of a, a tough situation for for everyone. So why not see if we can get some good out of this? We could take some lessons uh, from this framework. I mean, nothing has transpired yet. But do you think that there's anything uh, just based? I know, like I said, we we haven't seen anything yet. But is there anything that sticks out to you that is in that framework or that has changed over the last couple of months? Do you think the NHL might take forward? Oh. What was it that that might go what forward? Like, well, uh... in terms of, I'm not saying they're gonna all of a sudden let's let's redo the entire playoff uh, plan going uh-huh. forward. Let's let's revamp everything. But you know, these little tweaks here and there, innovation is a huge thing in the NHL. You know, they've been on the forefront in terms of the the puck technology and the tracking and all of that. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. I'm talking about in the terms of how they've set this up and and uh, maybe a tool that they could use next season or going forward. Yeah, well, it, it gives them a chance to be creative, and especially thinking of how, um, I mean, in all likelihood, there's probably not going to be fans in the stands. That's what everybody's preparing for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're going to be missing, there's going to be a vacuum somewhat of not having any sound there, which will be very odd. Right. But but I I think it's a great opportunity, though, for the league to and for the league's television partners to really look at how creative they can be in terms of the content they're producing um, and not just, you know, talking heads, but really like the video work, you exactly. know, let's break out, let's break out the drones. Let's, you know, let's, 
let's put some lines over the top of the arena that you can fly things across. And uh, like, let's just try to bring the game to a new level in terms of what the viewer is going to actually see. If they can't have it in person, let's make it as good as we can um, at home for the viewer. And you have to think that some of those things will, will carry over. Sure. I don't expect them all to be a home run. I mean, we, I remember the floating puck in the stands in the Fox tracker era back in the day. Oh um, yes. You know, that, that, that wasn't necessarily a home run, but uh, it, it did lead though to, kind of what's being experimented now with tracking again and seeing how hard shots and passes are. And, uh, and that was the cool aspect of it, even though it didn't work back then. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would love to see that. I'd love to see the league and the players adopt the opportunity to, you know, do some of those things. And it takes commitment from both sides. The players may have to be willing to, you know, put devices on them that shows how fast they're skating and stuff. But ultimately if it helps sell the game and it's not, uh, an invasion of privacy anyway i'd love to see it mm-hmm. so in your opinion mike which teams do you think benefited most from the the framework that has been laid out in front of us and and reciprocally uh who do you think has gotten the most hosed uh, out of out of uh the the plan that's been put forth in place well uh, i think uh for me when i really try to look at this objectively i think that the veteran teams uh the teams that skew a little bit older will actually be benefited by this which might be a little bit antithetical to what we would normally think because you'd think young legs hungry players mm-hmm. um but to me older players and i'm i'm drawing on my experience in playoffs you really lean on your older guys and they've been through it before they know how to mentally manage things and in a condensed Mini season like this is going to be. You need that. You need people who've been there, done that, who can be calm with with adversity. Um, you, you lean on your leaders for that, and the guys who, you know, they've they've been there before and done it, but they also know how to keep everything upbeat and going. And it's not the end of the world if you lose one game, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I think those teams that skew a little bit older will have an advantage that way. Um, that you know, the youth aspect of whatever fresh legs won't have the same effect. The teams that got hosed a bit are, are, to me, the teams that are sitting, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 in the standings mm-hmm. uh, versus 23, 24. You know, you, you've fought this hard to get to where you are in the season, uh, and now you were giving some of the other teams that were fading away a do-over and also – uh, doing so with those teams now at full strength again. You know, everybody's healthy when this comes back. So right. a lot of the preconceived notions of what the season was and had been are out the window. Um, so, you, I mean, just a great example. Let's think about, you know, the Golden Knights. They Mark Stone's in the lineup, Pat, Max Pacioretty. You know, they had both been banged up down the stretch. The yep. Penguins, Jake, Jake Gensel's back, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a very different league, and, and those deeper teams, I think, uh, in terms of at least what they have to face to make the final 16 cut, um, that's tough, but you know what? That's life. If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. As if Boston and St. Louis needed any more help on there. I mean, those teams are the teams that met in the final last year, both squads that have played together for a very long time. But I agree with you in terms of uh, the – I think it favors experienced teams – but another team that yeah. hasn't seen nearly as much playoff success but has definitely been expected to and been on the doorstep is the Tampa Bay Lightning. That group, for the large part, that core has played together for a very long time. So I want to dig a little bit deeper on that experience. So say if you have those three teams, who do you do you think it's better for a team that is that has been had the had the door kind of shut and slammed in the face of the Tampa Bay Lightning? 
or or somebody like St. Louis that had that saw the promised land has has had a heck of a year as a, as a champion and 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 retain much of that core. Who who's favored between those two? Would you say? Oh, it's tough. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay and, and knowing some of those players in that team. They learned a lot from last season. They coasted in the playoffs. They'd been blowing teams out in the first period. Uh, you know, they'd score three or four goals, and then they could kind of glide to the finish line of those games. And they ran up against a really hungry team in Columbus mm-hmm. that, quite frankly, played harder than them and brought it, you know. So you're going to have a really, really hungry Tampa Bay Lightning team that has learned their lessons and has made adjustments to their game uh, to try to shore up. Uh, their ability to win in playoffs. Uh, Vasilevsky's got things to answer still. He played well last year, but a lot of people, because he's a goaltender, will hang it on him. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it works, as you know, Lindsay. But uh, he's got something to prove. Uh, it's hard to repeat. You know, like St. Louis is an incredibly good team, but winning two years in a row, the numbers aren't on your side for anything. And the funny part about that, though, is any statistician will tell you, though, is that that doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> it doesn't. No. Um, but then on the same instance, history rather than statisticians will say going twice in a row is really hard. So um, the hunger of a Tampa Bay is really scary to me when I know that they've learned. Uh, but, man, if Boston and, and St. Louis are, are such good clubs. And mm-hmm. um, and just touching on it, though, in the West, like, you, like the veteran teams, that's the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, Stanley Cup Finals second-round playoffs, mm-hmm. add pieces to the puzzle who have been there and gone long. Martinez, Stevenson, Mark Stone's had a long playoff run. Um, they're very much in the boat of a team, that, to me, that has the makeup for a long playoff run. Absolutely. It's, it's really hard to argue that uh, the team that had been assembled and, as you said, has now be, uh, had the ability to, be, to, to get healthy, uh, that they're not in the conversation with the Bostons, with the St. Louises, with the with the Tampa Bays, uh, but another team that I, w- which is super surprising to see when when in the top four, not because we weren't paying attention, but just because it seemed like it came out of nowhere. And, and it's an organization that you spent some time in yourself to, over the course of your career, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. And you've yeah. worked with Carter Hart, the, their young goaltender there, who's uh, who's had an unbelievable season and and definitely stepped in in his. I th- this is his second year, correct? Yep, this is his, well. Yeah, I mean, it's his first full season. He right. Last year, uh, American Hockey League was called up, I believe, in uh, early December of the past season. So um, he's not quite a rookie, but kind of a rookie in some ways. Right. It, do you think Philadelphia is one of the darker horses out of that, or which team would you say? Let's let's say let's pick one team from the West and one team from the East. Which team that isn't necessarily being talked about as much scares you the most? Oh, it's I. You're perceptive. Philly is right there. Thank you. Um, I, that's where I finished my career last year. I was with them from you know January third on, or say, I can't remember. My head spins thinking about last season. Right. Um, they made a lot of. They made drastic changes to the coaching staff. Um, they had a little bit of turnover in roster, and Carter Hart's taken hold. And Carter Hart. Um, trying to think of how that song goes. That. All I do is win, 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 no matter what, what, what. Yes. Uh, you know, he's won a lot of things, and he's young and as technically proficient as anybody in the league. And uh, to me, he's scary. And I think he's capable. He's young, though. You know, he's Well, recent history me... plays, though, because you had Bennington yeah. last year. I mean, you had Cam Ward back in 06. You have Matt Murray, who won the Cup with the Penguins when he was doing that tandem with, with Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, if anything, you you would kind of be a little pumped because recent history shows young goaltenders that aren't as well-known in the league have shown up and, and won the big one. 
They have, uh, but you know we can look at all those and kind of dig into the minutia of them. Where you know Jordan Bennington played the better part of four or five seasons in the American League, along with some playoffs, and uh, but had never done it in the NHL playoffs. Uh, Matt Murray was incredible in the American League. Comes up to the NHL, does the exact same thing. So yeah, Carter Hart can do it. Um, you do see instances though of, of player, players and goaltenders who that one year of playoff experience or two years of playoff experience can really help them. Um, before they get to it, but at his age and his his ability, big time stuff. But that team's good. Like they last season, people forget this, but when I was with them there, they were one of the best top three teams in the league from February on. Now I know that's a short example, right? But it shows, and they, it shows that the personnel there uh, was capable. They've got a coaching staff now that's that's done a really good job with. Well, them. three head coaches on the bench. I mean, I'd say yeah. that it's the the experiment has been a success so far. And that was a quick question mark for me. I had no idea how Elaine Vigneault, Mich- uh, Michelle Therrien, and Mike Yo were all going to work together. Right. I, I did not. And apparently it's been great. And so, it's not even because um, personalities. It's just like those are a lot of, you know, head honchos and everybody has yeah. a different role that they may or may not be used to. Yeah. So I think I truly think Philly's scary. And that's something uh, Gary Lawless pointed out that team. I can't remember what time frame it was, but we did a three man on the set where we all picked teams favorites and uh, and he picked Philly as either his underdog or his pick or uh, and he was perceptive. He caught it right at the front of the wave of them starting to move up. So they're good. Uh, and then when you go to the West, I mean, you know, you want underdog teams if you're going to take them. Who's going to get hot at the right time? Who's going to be healthy at the right time? Um, like Winnipeg, to me, they kind of a lot of the season were up and down, floundered a bit. Some right. Injuries, a lot of injuries. Defensive core in the back end. Um, but that goaltending, though. Yeah, they always scare me. I, I just feel like Winnipeg come playoffs is always uh, always in the mix, as Golden Knights fans know. Like they can put up a fight there. Um, I wouldn't even like the Blackhawks. I don't think have nearly as much shot as people are talking about. No, you know, I, I don't think they're re- there and ready. They can't defend as they need to in the West, but man, like Dallas though, is always the question to me. Yeah, they really are. Like I, I, I think the last season and them going to game seven with the blues and how much they gave them fits. Mm-hmm. That's a team that can do it. And, and if Ben Bishop is on, we've seen what he's capable yeah. of. Yes, Bishop, even Hudobin. I mean, they had all kinds of turmoil this year with coaching change, and mm-hmm. it didn't phase them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know how much of a dark horse Dallas could be, but I think they're definitely in the mix. For sure. I mean, I, I agree with you on the on the Winnipeg uh, front. I think two years ago when the Vegas Golden Knights made their you know run to the Stanley Cup final in their inaugural season, I thought that was the year for the Jets. But I'm not going to say anything against Blake Wheeler or Mark Shifley or any of the the numerous uh, offensive weapons that they do have on that team. But I'm weirdly a little bit intrigued by Vancouver. And I know that a lot of people have kind of focused in on this Vancouver-Minnesota series uh, because mainly because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Jacob Markstrom, and I know that you're 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 you like you like an athletic goaltender just like most of us do, at least for former netminders ourselves. But I feel like that's been the big flashpoint series, at least in the Western side. Do you do you feel like that is getting the right amount of attention, or is there a different matchup that intrigues you more? Well, I'm going to give you my insider analysis, having been a yes. member of the Vancouver Canucks for two days last season. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I've I've seen Jakob Markstrom for a long time, and to see him mature into being 
What I think, honestly, is he has been the Vezina goaltender this season in the National Hockey League. I think he should be the guy who's the front of the front of the order to take that trophy. And he, you know, he faced injuries a little bit later in the season. Um, but again, that's somebody who'll be healthy. He's scary. It's, I mean, six five, big body, moves well. Mm-hmm. He can play athletic if needed. Like he, he's a he's a freak of nature athletically. Yeah. Um, I don't think that that team right now has the depth though to really contend with the big dogs. You know, they're st- they've done a great job of drafting some players. Um, you know, you look at Besser and and uh, and Hughes and Horvat. They've they're they're very good in terms of their their young core. Right. I still view them as being potentially one to three years from one to two years away, really from from being a team that's scary. You that, know, that's been a story about them all season too, Mike, is that if I feel like new, people knew Vancouver was going to be an improved team as you, with all the talent that you, that you highlighted, not including Elias Pettersson, but yeah, I, it I seemed like they were just Pedersen. a little bit early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But right. I don't know. And, Minnesota can't score very much. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's going to be just like any other thing who catches, he, who catches fire at the right time. Well, you've got to catch fire immediately. Right. And it might just be as simple as, any of these teams, if they rattle off two or three wins at the beginning and just start feeling the flow, right? That could all of a sudden be your horse. You know, it's a different ball game. Right. You move that momentum. Why not us? You start believing in yourself a little bit more, and especially with how weird this is, and and having teams that normally wouldn't be included in the playoff hunt, if, especially with those lower seeded teams. You could be absolutely correct. And I mean, it's it's happened when it's uh it been in the normal playoff format. So it's definitely something. Uh, to keep an eye on. And we've kind of been beating around the goaltending bush. We tend to do so when you and I uh, conversate. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what the expectations for goaltending are going to be going into this playoff format. Because we've seen teams, including your Vegas Golden Knights, move towards uh, a tandem goaltending style. Not all, but some. Most, in, in, in some cases. Do you think that the tandem goal, uh, the the way that they were kind of approaching it, is going to be something you can do in this case, because with those shorter series, especially uh, in that qualifying round and, and the way that things are getting off and, and the time that everybody's had, you know, Mike, you take a couple of months off from the pads and you get out there, it's like Big Bird on skates and you're trying to catch things and it's not going super well. So do you think that this format will serve the tandem goalie, goalie uh, just uh, mindset or do you think we're going to see we're going to pick one and we're going to go with it because there's not enough ice to go around to warm up both? It's going to be a fun experiment, isn't it? Yeah. We're going to see a little bit of both, I think. And there should be. There should be a willingness in this format. If you have to play back-to-back games and you've got two goaltenders that you know can get it done, Golden Knights, for example, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury, Robin Leonard, try to name a better tandem. If there's a better tandem, they're right there at the top. Um you, I think for sure you're going to see teams play both goaltenders. Uh, I don't know about first round if that's the case, but as this moves on, if there's back-to-back scenarios, if there's the lead-in, um, the, the lead-in uh, games going into it, the round robin, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. And there's there's no precedence at the NHL level of this really being successful and winning a cup as a true tandem. Um, I mean, we've seen people come in and play some games here and there, and then you go back uh, thinking about, like, the Chicago Blackhawks, Crawford, Darling coming in for a few games, um, you know, Marc-Andre and and Murray. But largely, that was one guy plays, you switch to another guy for a few games, and then you go back. You know, this is more like a regular season, I, I think, where you may see 
alternating two healthy goalies at times. Um, so I, there is a precedence. Last season in the American Hockey League, Alex Nedeljkovic and Dustin Tokarski won a Calder Cup for the Charlotte Checkers, and every back-to-back they switched them out. Now, Nedeljkovic played the great majority of those games for the Checkers, but Tokarski ended up playing for quite a few of those as well, and that's how it worked. So um, I think it can be done. I hope we see it because I think it's probably a smart way to go in some ways. Uh, But I think by the time you get to the finals, though, and the schedule starts to really uh, get back to something resembling more normalcy or even the conference finals, it'll likely go back to your traditional um, one man in the net until he screws up too much and we got to go with somebody else. <laughs> right, exactly. And and that's the thing, too. It's really that first kind of half of the playoffs with the qualifying round with the round robin that's weird, and then things will settle in because those later rounds, uh, Gary Batman already said, those are going to be seven-game series like we would usually see uh, consistently throughout the playoffs. So Vegas is in that round-robin team. They're just going to be chilling, uh, playing for for dominance in those top four teams and waiting for some of the qualifying teams to weed themselves out. Uh, which team do you think the Golden Knights would want to match up first with out of that out of that qualifying round, and which team do you think they match up uh, the, the worst with? Huh. What a hard question. <laughs> I mean, That's what I do, Mike. I ask tough questions. I know you always do always. that. Always. Oh, man. You know, I, I'm coming out of that. It's it's really tough to say. Like that grouping of teams that are going to be uh, without a buy there. Ooh, baby. I mean, they've controlled. I mean, they've done well against Arizona this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edmonton you know, they've, too. They've done what they have done well against Edmonton. They've managed to contain McDavid Drysidle for the most part. Mm-hmm. I believe three out of four of those games at least. Um, you know the Predators have given them fits, though. Right. I, I don't. I don't think the Golden Knights would be uh, having uh, sweet dreams about facing them. Um, so, you know, I, I think they'd probably be better off to play. End up playing somebody from, you know, a, a Blackhawks or Wild or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or or Flames or even Edmonton. But, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd be definitely leery of Nashville. Uh, why and, is and that? Even, why 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 do they match up so poorly with Nashville? Or does Nashville just seem to have their number? I, it's tough to say. Early in the, it, they played them early in the year, uh, both times that I can remember at the beginning. That uh, one of which was a big come from behind victory for the Golden Knights. Another one they got shut out at home mm-hmm. uh, by Pekka Rene. For whatever reason, both nights that they played against Nashville, and I don't know whether it was Nashville systems or not, but Vegas just didn't look like they had the energy. And it, it may have been the defensive structure that Na- Nashville had played with in some of those, but. I can't really put a finger on it with that. They just weren't able to generate the offense they needed to. Really, really easy night for Pekka Rene uh, in T-Mobile. And then when uh, they went to went into Nashville, the Golden Knights had to have a monumental comeback in the third and then overtime to get the victory. So for whatever reason, they've got to manufacture some energy against that club to be able to come out and take games early in it rather than having to play even or come from behind against a team that's able to, to win if they get ahead. Right, because the Golden Knights uh, sh- showed across the regular season, as they proved, uh, obviously, under Peter DeBoer, is that if they get down early and the other team starts to clog up you know, the middle and the slot and just tries to shut things down in the house in front of the net, 
the Golden Knights are, are one of those teams that has trouble generating their own momentum if they're not getting that positive reinforcement from, you know, getting good scoring chances, converting them, and, and it, it, it just kind of spills all over the place where all of a sudden the neutral zone will get a little messy and then even to the breakouts. And that's why teams that are a lot more defensively minded, like like Nashville, like Minnesota, they scare me more when it comes to uh, their matchup against the Golden Knights because that's what they're built upon because they don't have that many superstar goal scorers, not nearly as many as the Golden Knights do. Yeah, well, Nashville, you know, Nashville tried to alleviate that. They picked up Matthew Shane this summer, who was mm-hmm. supposed to be their scoring guy. Um, it wasn't working for whatever reason. Kyle Turris was in the doghouse of uh, of head coach Peter Laviolette there for a while. Uh, they had a coaching change. Oh, you know, yeah. They bring in John Hines, and they start to play Kyle Turris some more. They they find some more offense. They start playing better again. Um, and, and also having Ellis out hurt them for a long time. You know, he mm-hmm. was injured in the uh, in the Winter Classic game. That was a huge loss for them for a lot a lot of the season. So it's a different dynamic with that team, with Ellis in the lineup. And if you've got Turris and Duchesne and Ryan Johansson playing better up front. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, and Roman Yossi's just a wagon. I mean, the guy's an unreal player. So, right. you know, you're facing a defenseman who can who can change any game single-handedly. Absolutely. An absolute workhorse in that. Very much uh, reminiscent of what we saw from Alex Petrangelo from the St. Louis Blues. There's always one defenseman that kind of, like you said, has the ability to put the team on his back and take things over if need be. I'm like, I know that you're enjoying retirement and, and, it's, and you haven't been here that long, but I want you to pretend that you've been off just like the rest of these guys. You're still playing and... and all of this comes down and you have, you know, so many weeks to kind of get ready and you may or may not have access to ice and, and all the resources that you usually do when you're trying to ramp up for the beginning of the season. So how does one get ready and how big of a challenge do you think that is going to be just uh, for, for most guys if they find themselves, you know, still here in the United States? Hardest challenge is going to be for the players that are used to being on the ice 10 months out of the season. Right now, they don't know what to do with themselves, that they haven't been able to be on the ice. You know, you're, you're trying to find rollerblades, and you're stick-handling in the street. Mm-hmm. You can't mimic being on the ice. Uh, for the players that have gone home and taken two, three months off in the summertime, things get a little easier for them because they've been through this before. It's accelerated. It happened earlier in the season, or in the summer, I guess, spring even, being March. But you kind of know how to manage that. And, you know, I would take three months off every summer later in my career mm-hmm. uh, and it allowed me to recharge my batteries. I didn't forget how to play. And I had the confidence that I could do that though. I'm worried about the players who are always on the ice year round that all of a sudden they're going to get to camp and they're not going to have the same confidence they once had. They're still going to be the same player. They're still going to know how to do everything, mm-hmm. but they may be second guessing themselves. Yeah. You're not in the so groove. That- Exactly. So those are the players, again, and this goes back to experience. I think that the older players, the veteran players, um, will be better to handle that. In terms of staying in shape, that's a really tough scenario. We're used to being on the ice, and on the ice, hockey shape skating is so different than running shape or biking shape. Uh, there's a reason why guys feel like their lungs are exploding at the start of training camp every year, the even worst. though they've worked incredibly hard all summer long to come in and be in shape. Right. Because skating is just different. So, um, you know, it, I'd be doing everything I could right now to be building an enhanced in-season approach to training. 
You know, I mm-hmm. wouldn't be going as hard and heavy as I would in the summertime where you're trying to build for the coming year, but I'd be taking what I did in season and just adding to it, going a little bit harder. And then at the same time, making sure that I took a little bit more time off than I normally would in the summer, just to make sure my body, you know, isn't getting too beat up because let's face it, we might be playing hockey in a month. It might be a month and a half. It might be two, but you need to be ready to go. Well, and then there's the uh, other added thing that if this, you know, gets off the ground and running and we finish the 2019 and 2019 season, or at least the playoffs here, then there's the season after that. We That's the other thing, too, is that, I mean, there there are different hurdles to go over, you know, at, at different points. And you can't, you know, think about January at this point because we're still, you know, in June here. But are you concerned about uh, how that's going to bleed in? Because as you said, these guys are going to have to prepare. They're probably not going to have that much time off between the end of uh, the Stanley Cup final uh, for the 2019-2020 season and the start of the 2021 season. Or at least that's what it's looking like right now. Right. Uh, The hardest part is thinking about, you know, you got to do a draft and free agency after the season. Oh, yeah, there's that. So to me, you've got to have at least a month. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like pie in the sky. Do you take a month? Do you take two months off? I mean, you'll have some teams that haven't played hockey in nine months. If we don't start this thing until, you know, November or, or whenever it may be for the 21-22 season. Right. And that's an entire um, season of off of, right. of off season. Right. Or mm-hmm. sorry, the 2021 season, I mm-hmm. might say. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's daunting for sure. And it will bleed into next year. Uh, even if it's an 82-game schedule, even if it's condensed or extended or anything, there will be ramifications to this, and it's going to be a little bit of an experiment and a free-for-all. But we're in strange times. If we thought it was going to be perfect, we were dreaming. So um, True that. My, my hope would be that when the Stanley Cup is handed out, that we can say, okay, in a month and a half, we're going right back at it, and we're just going to play uh, and get things going. Or maybe they allow teams that weren't in playoffs to start their camp a little early or something. Again, Mm -hmm. the PA and the NHL coming up with a creative solution that's going to try to put the best product on the ice. Absolutely. Well, your experience, wisdom, and uh, guidance are always appreciated here, Mike. I know that you have a very busy schedule with all the insider uh, sources that you have to tap and and talk to to make sure that you're prepared for all of the great things on the horizon for us here on As Vegas Golden Knights Faithful. But uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us today, buddy. Always a pleasure. Just hope it's in person soon. That would be that would be really nice. Honestly, all the Zoom calls and uh, and and the social distancing and everything. It's necessary. It's what we need to do to get through this. But I think we're all just waiting for that day when we can finally be humans again and and shake hands with someone and look them in the eye and all that. So or at least go on the roller coaster, right? Yeah, <laughs> we still got to get that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Mike, and I uh, appreciate you always. And that's Mike McKenna. He's a VGK analyst for AT and T Sports. Now you can find him on Twitter at McKenna fifty six. Uh, Mike, have a great rest of your afternoon, my friend. You as well. Be good. All right. Thanks. The Nightcap Podcast with Lindsey Brown is produced from the Las Vegas-based studios of CBS Sports Radio 1140, a Radio.com sports station.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 